Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We have just had the men's singles semi-finals won by Milos Raonic over Roger Federer in five sets, putting the Canadian into the final of a Grand Slam tournament for the first time in his career. Andy Murray is through to the final, his 11th Grand Slam final, and for the first time he will not be facing Novak Djokovic or Roger Federer. My name is David Law. I'm joined, of course, by Simon Briggs from The Telegraph and Catherine Whitaker. Uh, from Eurosport and live at Wimbledon and just about everybody because they all want Catherine on uh, I'm from BBC Radio 5 Live I was commentating on Andy Murray of course but first of all just before we chat to Catherine and Simon let's hear from Richard Krychek the 1996 Wimbledon champion who is a bit of a kindred spirit with uh, Milos Raonic similar height similar strengths similar weaknesses and I put it to Richard Krychek that he, Milos Raonic, was a man that Krajicek thought one day would win the Wimbledon title. Yeah, I, I thought it already two years ago when he beat Nishikori on court number three. Um, and then he was here in the semi-finals and uh, disappointed me actually because he wasn't coming in. But now we're two years down the line and he's finally playing real grass court tennis and he has a real shot. It's going to be tough. It's his first Wimbledon final, first Grand Slam final, and he's playing Andy Murray, the home favorite, who won already a couple of Grand Slam titles, one here three years ago. Uh, but um, if he's not going to do it this year, he's going to do it next year or, or in two years. But uh, for me, for the next three, four, five years, every year he's going to be a favorite to win this, our favorite, one of the title contenders. It's 20 years since you won it here, and I remember the, f- the few years before that you felt that you weren't getting the best out of yourself on this particular surface, and then it clicked. I know he was he was interested in you working with him for a while. What um what what clicked for you? How did it change, and and, and how has it changed for him? Uh, I, I think what changed well, what changed for me. I, I learned to move better on the, on the grass, and I learned to accept that uh, bounces are bad. The ball skits through. That it's just a different surface from any other surface. I think what clicked for Milos, he finally understands he's not quick enough from the back to beat guys like Federer, Djokovic and Murray, uh, to beat them from the baseline, that he has to come in. And that, that not only is better for him, but also he puts much more pressure on his opponents and uh, yeah, he keeps the rally short, takes the, takes the rhythm away. 
and and that's where his strength is. And he improved his volleys a lot, loosened up his hand because it was also always a bit stiff uh, with uh, with uh, with the volley. But now he's got great touch and knows also where to volley because sometimes he was just covering the court the wrong way but also volleying in the wrong spots. We're sitting here in the commentary box on BBC Five Live duty just a few feet from the centre court. We've just watched Andy Murray dismantle Thomas Burdick 6-3-6-3-6-3 it's it's as good as I've personally seen Andy Murray play in the last sort of few few years I mean in terms of the last two or three matches he just looks totally at ease with himself I have to say last two three months Andy looks fantastic Uh, uh, really in control everything for me, a little lapse were actually uh, in the previous match against Tsonga was for, like for the first four sets, he just wasn't feeling too good. He won those first two sets, lost set three and four. But since the fifth set, he's back focused and he's, yeah, he's, he's so good. And today, mentally so strong, playing well, but especially uh, focused. You know, didn't land up. I mean, two sets to love up and he, and he, and he kept his uh, concentration. That's what went wrong against Tsonga t- two days ago. Two sets to love up and he just... Yeah, it just wasn't there, and then he got broken, and suddenly it was a match, and didn't let that happen. And uh, and I think for, uh, Sunday it's going to be the same. He's going to be so focused, and uh, and and, and uh, Raonic really has to win the title from Andy because Andy's not going to give him anything. So how's it going to go? They played each other a couple of weeks ago at Queens. Raonic led by set and three love. Murray found his way back. What do you think is going to happen this time? Uh, I think it's going to be a different kind of match. Uh, I think it could well possibly be a relatively easy first set for uh, for for Andy because uh, the nerves uh, are going to be there for Raonic, so he might get an early break, uh, Andy. But after the first set, it's just going to be a tight uh, tight match, and it may well go to five. But in the end, I think um, uh, Miller's never been in a Grand Slam final, and especially Wimbledon, and that's even a bigger occasion, Wimbledon final. So I, I give the edge to Andy, and I, I think Andy either. In, in tight four sets or maybe even in five so there's Krychek Simon always a fascinating talker we love having him with us in the commentary box gives us such great insight and, and I do find it fascinating the, the, the journeys that he and Milos went through their first Grand Slam finals both Wimbledon there are real similarities there aren't there yeah I remember watching uh, Krychek win it in 96 as my first summer in London I was trying to find a job and uh, it was. Uh, Did you get one? <laughs> it took a while, but uh, I was sort of in, in this strange house renting in South London and watch, watching the whole thing on TV. And uh, I remember he, um, he he actually practiced indoors, didn't he, a lot during that tournament because he said he couldn't get any feel for the ball practicing on the grass. The rallies were over too short, so he, he practiced on one surface, played on another, which is eccentric, but it obviously worked. Certainly did work, Catherine Whitaker. What were your impressions of what you saw? I mean, I found it particularly interesting last night that all of us, when discussing it, were finding it quite difficult to pick a winner of, of the Federer-Raonic match. I think all of us were pretty much 50-50 or 51-49 either way. And when Federer got the upper hand, did you? what did you think? I thought he had it. I thought uh, two sets to one when he had all those break points in the fourth set I thought he had it I was texting my brother who as we know on the podcast is a massive Federer fan saying how tense are you and he said I'm not tense at all I thought he'd win this in four he looks like he's going to win it in four I'm not anxious and uh, it turned so so quickly suddenly I got a text saying I'm very very anxious now and that's how how come what, when, what do you think it was I mean the, the, what, what swung it today I, I'm trying, still trying to put my finger on it 
Well, it was Raonic winning the fourth set that precipitated. Yeah, I know, but why did he win that fourth set? I just don't get it. You know, what, what changed? Something, something switched mentally. It was I don't, I don't want to be the guy that came close and 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 blew it, because that's what it would have been. You know, I was I was monitoring Twitter and and I saw the word choke used a few times. I think that's harsh. Personally, I don't think he did choke, but certainly he didn't produce his best tennis uh, on the biggest points. And there were some critical double faults uh, at critical moments and ironically that was sort of the undoing of Roger Federer in the end wasn't it two double faults to get broken uh, and uh, I, I mean yeah I I, I, uh, I was guilty of having written Milos Ranić off in that fourth set and for that Milos I apologise <laughs> that was a rare moment of mortality for Roger Federer wasn't it those two double faults in a row there were gasps in the crowd there were gasps in our production office where I was sitting and listening to the commentary of my colleagues um, Gigi Salmon and, and, and Anna Sarikin uh, what was it like in the press room Simon I mean that that we haven't seen a lot of have we double faults successively from Roger Federer but even after that, the game went long, didn't it? There were several deuces, and Raonic is returning, just went up a level. I mean, he started returning a bit like Murray by, by kind of coming in tight and really smashing it. And that was very brave. And not only that, he had that sense of a man who, who knew that he needed inspiration now, and he dragged it out of himself. And that's not something that, that any player, I would say, other than the big four, has shown an ability to do in the last 10 years to say this is the moment and I'm going to take it no matter what it takes. So that was um, quite a, a message to put down and one that, that I think the Lendl-Murray camp should be looking at as they prepare for the final because it's a little bit ominous. I'm not saying that Raonic is favourite, of course he isn't, but it does mean that he's going to be a serious opponent if he can do that. Yeah, it, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Watching the, the sort of... The growth of, uh, of Milos Raonic, not as a physical specimen, because he's already big enough as it is, but as a mental giant in the game, Catherine, because this, this guy, I mean, you remember two years ago, he was rabbit in headlights against Roger Federer. He looked, he looked inhibited out there. He lost in straight sets, didn't raise a challenge at all. He was totally different here. Interesting afterwards, he said, that is the best mental match I've played in my career. And, and he did say, John McEnroe had said, just go out leave it all out there and and I, I i had a little discussion on 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 twitter with a few of my colleagues about the use of overt body language from from uh milos Raonic, which, which i think is personally helping him they were as the match unfolded disagreeing um i don't know what your thoughts are my thoughts are what milos himself said after the match which is that part of his undoing in the match the semi-final two years ago against Roger Federer was that he internalized too much how he was feeling and and the uh, sort of internal agony that he was going through and it really helped him today to actively try not to do that so if he says that's helping him I believe him I'm I'm not going to not going to suggest I know his mind better than he does himself and I think another difference is uh, as I think Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I heard Carlos Moyer quoted as saying yesterday, although they weren't together two years ago uh, I'm sure they've spoken about that semi-final two years ago Ranich was just pleased to be in the semi-final two years ago that could not have been further from the case today I mean we just have to go back to that speech he gave in the Queen's final three weeks ago when he said pretty much I'll see you in another final in three weeks time Andy how prescient was that um, yeah he was not satisfied with the semi-final this time and I'm not even sure he'll be satisfied with a final that was quite something when Raonic said that after that final, wasn't it? Because he said it in a way that made made people actually believe that it was going to happen. Here it is, Aegon Championships a couple of weeks ago, and now the same again at Wimbledon, Simon. He gave a very good speech, didn't he? It was quite funny. It was, it was self-deprecating. It showed a side of himself we hadn't necessarily seen before. Um, and I think as well, I used to be guilty as, as much as anybody of saying that he was a bit of a boring player to watch, but I think he... He's getting a lot better um, as a spectator event. Uh, he's getting more interesting when he t- chats to us. He seems to be developing. I mean, actually, he's developing quite late, perhaps, in the sense that he's in his mid-20s. He might have got stuck. And, and, and maybe you give this um, as a credit to that incredible ambition and determination for self-improvement that he has. And that's maybe one characteristic that he does share with the big four. He's maybe not... Uh, reached the level that, uh, that they did as fast as they did, but he could potentially be a contender for, for, for a, quite a while now. He could. Well, he was a late developer, wasn't he? I mean, he very, very nearly went into the college system. He was on the borderline as to whether he was good enough at that stage to turn professional. Very, very nearly went into the college system. That doesn't mean to say he wouldn't have eventually turned pro had he, had he gone down the college route. I mean, more players are doing that now, Isner and Johnson and Kevin Anderson and, and the like. But he was a late developer. He, he did not show signs at the age of 17, 18 of being a future Wimbledon finalist or champion, that's for sure. He has worked incredibly hard and and foreseen achievements from himself that I think people around him didn't necessarily think he had in him. I thought he had them in him, Catherine Whitaker, as you well know, because you and I have discussed uh, many times, and Simon was talking about how interesting or not he is to watch over the years. I think if you stick him up against a big server, it is a snore fest. It just inevitably is. Two guys who have great big serves and don't know how to return that well. I've always said that, haven't I, on the tennis podcast, Catherine? You stick him up against one of the big four or five, and he's interesting. Because he his game, put up against the best, is, is a challenge for them on their best day. Maybe not against Djokovic so far, but this is a, another big step. Yeah, I'm expecting a very, very attractive, entertaining tennis match on Sunday. I think it's a fantastic matchup. I think the Queen's final was 
one of my matches of the season so far. It was fantastic. Um, I can see why you said that I was smug now, by the way. I am, aren't I? <laughs> I was doing really well, not to point that out, but thanks for, thanks for doing my job for Sorry, me. Drop that in. Yeah, Simon Briggs, you would have watched Andy Murray. We're going to let you go and do all your writing in a minute. Um, there's lots of it on the Telegraph website and in the newspaper tomorrow. You'll be able to read all Simon's stuff. It's <laughs> worth it. Um, Andy Murray today, pretty much faultless. Yeah, I didn't think he uh, played lights out, but he didn't necessarily have to. He, he, he seemed to want to go into lockdown mode, but I, I, I'm not going to give you anything. Again, the forehand possibly a little bit passive first set, but Burdich didn't play great, did he? He's inhibited, isn't he? He doesn't re- actually really believe he's going to win against Andy Murray anymore. What is that now, 12 sets in a row? I mean, the number of unforced errors coming on his forehand side, it just grew and grew. And uh, when you look at the stats for, for these late matches, you expect people at this stage of the tournament to be absolutely on their game. He really wasn't. I mean, whatever the psychological burden he brings into Murray matches now is it's extraordinary because he used to be the other way around only about two years ago. And uh, he really seems to be um, cowed by what he encounters. And I don't think Murray played amazing. He just played very tight in a sense of very, very... Uh, error free uh, and gave him nothing there were a couple of uh, classic kind of Murray uh, running lob shots but otherwise it was kind of an unexceptional match in which he just did what he had to and it's going to be difficult Catherine isn't it for Thomas Burdick to ever I think kind of make another step more progress because I, 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 I stated during commentary slightly uncharitably that if you get him on the run it's a little bit like watching an articulated lorry trying to get around a Grand Prix track well, it's too late now, really, to make major developments in his game. I don't think it's like he can bring someone on board that can finesse him tactically because his game is what it is. His tactics are what they are. It's, you know, the margin for error is, is pretty small. There's not a lot you can do with his game other than what he's currently doing. And mentally, he seems to be going backwards a bit. He's taking more baggage onto the court against these top guys. I mean, if I was brought on to coach Thomas Burdick I don't know what I'd say I'd, I'd like to see that that's, <laughs> that's a, I'd say that's going to be when that vacancy is filled one of the toughest gigs in tennis I'll throw my hat in the ring right everybody tennis podcast listeners let's get this campaign started <laughs> Catherine Whitaker for Thomas Burdick coach uh, Simon Briggs we've got the the women's final tomorrow we've got the men's final on Sunday I think we might hold off for your predictions and Catherine's predictions for the men's final until tomorrow mm-hmm. so let's just do the women's final for now here on the uh, the Friday night tennis podcast what, what do you think you've had a night to sleep on it uh, think about Serena against Angelique Kerber the rematch so it's it's one that's tasty in terms of proposition but what do you think it's going to turn out like yeah i'm definitely thinking serena this time i guess i would have said that in australia as well so i would have been wrong there um but uh, serena just seems to be on a different level she's also in the doubles final as well so that shows just how good she's feeling about herself right now um i, I think it might be straights actually uh Kerr would have to serve incredibly well and she hasn't been serving very well at all the last two matches uh, to get a set, uh, unless Serena has another mental freeze, she's going to 22 Grand Slams tomorrow. Yeah, I, I share that thought. I think also it'll be two sets. I think certainly one of them will be close. Um, it could be three, but uh, but I think if Serena brings her best game, she's well, she's just too much for anybody. Uh, Catherine, your thoughts? Yeah, I think Serena's going to win it. I really, really do. I just hope she wins it in the sort of magical 
school line which will be close enough that people won't question the depth of the women's game but dominant enough that Serena's brilliance will be proven and no one will question whether she deserves equal prize money. What is that score line? Well, quite. Does it exist <laughs> in the world? Is there a score line? Well, I think the, the point that you're making is that there was a slightly uncomfortable reaction at, in certain quarters yesterday to a 48-minute minute victory where she was just too good and, and it's as though, oh, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? And uh, maybe she doesn't deserve equal prize money, which was sad. Third question in the press conference yesterday. One of the greatest athletes of all time comes in after reaching a ninth Wimbledon final. Third question is whether she deserves equal pay to her male counterparts. I think it's disgraceful. Catherine Whittaker here on the Tennis Podcast. Simon, go and write. Thank you for your company. Always a pleasure. We have had uh, another entertaining day here on the Tennis Podcast and on uh, Wimbledon generally. I, I think it was, it was a bit sad, wasn't it, seeing Roger Federer physically just fade away in that match I mean obviously he did take a nasty tumble hopefully he's alright um, but Pat Cash said during commentary that his legs have gone during that f- sort of fifth set, the latter stages and I mean you know what, what can we expect, he hadn't played two set two five set matches in a row like this and certainly hasn't played that level of intensity for a long time and he's nearly 35 up against a guy hitting the cover off the ball um, but you know Semi-finals is pretty good, but it'll hurt, won't it? Semi-finals isn't good enough for a 17-time Grand Slam champion, is it? I mean, it's incredible, out of context. A 34, nearly 35-year-old still achieving these things, reaching semis and finals and doing it with, you know, the back issues, the knee issues, all of that. But it's, it's not enough for Roger Federer, isn't it? Is it? It's not, it's not why he's still out there. Um, and he says he's going to be back here, and I just can't believe he would continue to stay out on tour, continue to put himself through this if he didn't deep down believe he's got another slam in him. So if Federer believes, then I believe. A word for Heather Watson, who is into the mixed doubles semi-finals with her partner Henry Contenon. I think that's how we say his name. Um, but very good uh, result for Heather and got a lot of excitement out there. Uh, so the women's final is going to be tomorrow I don't know even what time it is one or two o'clock something like that two o'clock two o'clock Catherine Whittaker thank goodness for her Uh, and then we've got the men's final to follow on Sunday also at two o'clock you'll be able to listen to live commentary on both of those finals on BBC Radio 5 Live and Catherine Whittaker will be bringing you all sorts of reaction and interviews and chat on live at Wimbledon and Catherine anything else to say before we go bedtime now isn't it no other business but sleep Sleep, sleep. Uh, you lot too. Just go and have a sleep. Get up, nice and bright, bushy-tailed for the women's final tomorrow, and we'll speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.